Welcome to Art of the Float, where float centers thrive. This is our weekly podcast that tells our story of starting and running our float centers while we provide insights and tips along the way. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Art of the Float, and you can visit artofthefloat.com to find show notes, links, and pictures from every episode. And I am your one of your co-host, uh, Dylan. I own the float shop with my wife, Sandra, in Portland, Oregon. I'm joined with Amy of Float Nashville and Lance of the Float Shack in Red Deer, Alberta, Canada. As you might be able to tell, I'm fighting a little bit of a, a flu here or a cold. Nobody knows what it is, but I haven't slept in days. And my my throat is so sore, so I apologize for that. But I'll, I'll, I'll push through. I'll be a hero. Um, I want to thank our Patreon supporters, the people who have been supporting us on Patreon. It means a lot to us. Thank you. And if you want to help contribute to the show, it is patreon.com forward slash art of the float. We've got something special coming up for anybody at the $10 or more range, a little content for, uh, for our float centers here to, um, help promote your own business. So that'll be coming down the pike here in uh, a few weeks. So do sign up soon if you want to be part of that. And I want to mention our soundproofing roundtable, June 28th. That's Gosh, that is uh, in just a couple days here. Artofthefloat.com forward slash roundtable is where you want to go to sign up for that. Uh, this is going to be a really good one. There's a lot of information to learn about soundproofing, and you're going to walk out of there an expert or at least darn near it. Uh, certainly confident about soundproofing afterwards. So I'm excited about that. And oh, I also want to give a shout out to California Float Concepts. Uh, these guys are creating a very exciting float tank. It's going to be at the float conference. I'm excited to see it again this year. I know they keep uh, keep modifying it and improving it. And last I heard, not only does it have motion sensors to, say, activate the lights in the float tank, but now they have salt waterproof remote controls in their float tanks as well, which uh, I'm not sure if anybody else is doing that, but uh, I haven't heard of that yet. I don't know of much of much of anything that is salt waterproof, so props to them for that. CAFloatConcepts.com is where you want to go to check out their incredible float tank. How you guys doing? Lance, it's really good to see you. <laughs> <laughs> doing okay. Yeah? Doing nice. okay. A bit tired. I'm actually um, I'm in Edmonton working. So for the next couple months, I'll be working in Edmonton, putting some extra cash in my bank. So I've been away from the float center for a bit, but... Yeah, it's yeah. been a few weeks. How has it been going? Yeah. How's uh, the transition? It's different. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, a lot different. Uh, Dude. Pretty good, though. I can't complain. We're in good. a lot different place than we were a couple of years ago when I was working. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it's just dirty. Being a mechanic, it's dirty. <laughs> um, I'm not used to that. I don't have the, uh, per se, oh, wow. float spa hands anymore. Hands. <laughs> yeah, cuts Sweet. and blisters. And oh. I was at the, the float shack the other day, and I went and I was helping Matt and picked up a rag that was full of salt water, and I was instantly regretting it because my hands were so cut up. And oh. I forgot oh. what that was like. But <laughs> Now, you're still working virtually, though, right, Lance? You're still doing some work. Yeah, I'm just um, basically handling the emails that come through and uh, the social media. So, mm. Nice. Uh, that's what I'm doing as of right now. Nice. nice. Is it odd to be at a job for eight hours a day where it's not your own? I mean, does it feel very different? Yeah, yeah, it's completely different. It's completely a different environment, you know, I'm... Right. I'm, I'm fixing broken trucks versus doing laundry and talking <laughs> to customers and making tea. And <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's different. Um, but I work for a smaller company and, it, you know, I just sort of do try to take that ownership sort mm -hmm. of 
role because I don't know it, it's it's a better way to work when you really appreciate what you're doing and, and think about the long-term goals and you know not just I want this hour to be over with and give me my paycheck but mm-hmm. um, I've sort of created a cool relationship with the guy that owns the place too so it's like I'm feels like I'm a part of it but nice. uh, maybe that's just from what I learned to owning my business and how that sort of reprogrammed me a bit but yeah yeah that's interesting every dollar counts so you know you're trying to save some bolts where you can and you know (laughs) not spill oil and things like that because yeah i've learned a lot starting a business oh interesting nice (laughs) and this is the same place that you're working out previously right yes so you had a good relationship with him yeah yeah cool excellent amy how are you doing (laughs) i'm i'm doing all right um well, I did take a few days off this past week. It was my birthday, and uh, yes. Mark and my husband surprised me, and y'all surprised me. Speaking of which, <laughs> you need to get a picture of the amazing flowers y'all sent. I mean, gorgeous, stunning, stunning, stunning. I take pictures of them every day. It's kind of sad. Um, (laughs) I'm like, my entire Instagram is going to be shots of these flowers for the next, you know, two weeks. Um, But wow, what a surprise. I actually got a day at the spa, and then I get this phone call from work saying, "Um, you have a package here, or you have a delivery? And um, I heard them all open it in the background, because I'm like, well, who is it from? What is it? I heard all this ooh and ah going on from the background. I'm like, what is it? What is it? Um, So, uh, yeah, so I got to kick off my birthday weekend um, thinking of y'all. I'm so grateful for that. Nice. And, uh, yeah, uh, it was really refreshing. I actually took days off. Like, I did not touch my email. I did not return calls. I didn't get on Slack. I didn't do, I didn't do anything. For Amy Grimes, I'm having a hard time believing that. I know. know. Um, You can ask, you can ask my peeps. Um, I'm hitting up Bob. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> is she live on the podcast did she really was, unplug it's amazing Yay. it was amazing Good for you. uh yeah thank you thank you i i actually this is probably i only took four days um we actually went and gamb- <laughs> to gambling which in tunica mississippi which was probably not probably not the best thing to do for someone who owns a float center um <laughs> but um <laughs> <laughs> Not really where I should take my money. Uh, uh, however, uh, it turned out all right. Yeah. I, uh, I yeah, it was great. I came back feeling I, like I hit the ground running this morning, and it was a bunch of little. I was telling Lance earlier. I, I spent the day doing a bunch of those little things, like answering emails, writing checks, make catching up with people. It's like. I worked a straight probably eight hours today, but it was all just the little thing, and I don't feel very accomplished. But, man, I feel revved up and ready to go. I feel refreshed, which is really super important um, because I, I alluded to this a little bit. I think it was last podcast, and I hope I'm not, I hope I'm not jinxing myself by saying this, but um, we are really, really, really close on signing a lease for the next float center. Um, they think it's going to be done there. They have the lease and they're reviewing with their lawyer this week. And we think <sighs> we are going to sign by the end of June. Yeah. Now I hope I didn't just <laughs> totally <laughs> jinx everything and screw it up. Hey, but, you know what? Um, you haven't talked about the other potential signings in the past. So maybe the, the thing is you have to talk yeah. about it on the show. <laughs> I know. I know. I talked to Mark. It's like, should I even say anything? Cause I really don't want to talk, but 
um, I feel okay saying something this time. Sure. Um, because we've been we've gotten this far before and it has just completely fallen apart every single time. Yeah. Um, but because that's happening, and, and it's funny because you know I just was waiting for it to fall apart. I was like, okay, I'm not gonna do anything because this is gonna be like the rest, whatever. <laughs> Um, so now <laughs> I'm like, holy crap, I think this is going through. So we have been spending a lot of time, um, with, um, you know, the fun, you know, doing the fun stuff, like crunching numbers, putting together budgets, putting together projections, you know, bankers, lawyers, you know, my favorite people in the world. <laughs> and no, they're lovely. Actually, that's the one thing that makes me feel good about this. Um, if y'all remember my last go round that I spoke about publicly, um, we had a, a the team of bankers that I was working with, the lawyers working with. I felt that they were working against this, and it, it felt it felt bad. It didn't feel good at all. Um, I have a really good team this time. Um, I feel good. So yeah, so it's <laughs> it's been a lot of stuff that I is probably not very fun to to listen to, but um, but the good part is is it looks like we're moving forward. And it's a miracle I am so that it's happening. To be able to tell you, congratulations. When? How long do we have to wait? Uh, when's when's will, the due date on the signing? Uh, we're hoping the by the end of June. It looks like the end of by the end of June. All right. We'll be, we'll be done. So we'll be, actually sign on the dotted lines. Wow. And um, then I can move forward with everything. Um, but if you know, I, I, it's funny because after the big the big one fell apart last year, I said to Mark, I'm like, I'm done. Um, I don't You're know. Right. I'm like, you know, my confidence had been kind of shattered oh, and I really needed some space, which is good, by the way, because I realized now I had some work to do with Float Nashville. Um, and I said to Mark, the only way I'm doing this, and I set out this, a bunch of conditions on the price of the space, the size of the space, um, the the percentage on a loan, the type of loan. I was like, Unless all these things, huh. and it was almost impossible. I mean, these were these were things that were ridiculous. Um, I'm like, you know, Mark's like, okay, great. So we're never having another float center. Um, right, right. And every single one of those conditions came through on this space. Um, so I'm kind of freaked out. Knocking on wood here. <laughs> yeah, I'm knock so on excited. some wood for me. Everyone who's listening to this, knock on some wood. Right. Uh, please. Um, so yeah, so that's exciting, and that's pretty much sucked up my week, which um, sounds worthwhile. Yeah. So you alluded to some some stuff going on this week, Dylan. I'm dying to hear what's going on in your week. Uh, you know, I, I just uh, first of all, I'm just so excited. Like that just means oh. so much. <laughs> <I'm just> <laughs> blowing right past like, this, Amy. But I'm like, well, I'm trying to. Kind of a know, big deal. I'm still kind of nervous. It's got. I'm really nervous. And, and you'd be the I'm first really am, among us hosts to um, to have a second location. So that so that means our audience will be seeing somebody go through the hell of starting a second float Yay. center. Hooray! I'm so glad that I can be here for you and make that happen. <laughs> right? Hey, that's what we're here for, right? <laughs> to show our, our oh, cut open yeah, there'll hands. be some interesting. There'll be some interesting Facebook lives over the next few months over there at Art of the Float. So uh, stay tuned for that. And hopefully um, bring your earplugs if you're offended by foul language. Just saying. Yeah, the podcast might go explicit, right? No, like, <laughs> and I think this kidding. explains why I was like, why is Amy going through documenting all of her procedures and everything? Like you said, you're, you're like once a yeah. week or something, you're going through all that. Like, oh, everything. this makes a lot more sense. You are actively yeah. expanding here. Or We're prepping getting for ready. We're prepping, yes. um, getting everything in place, getting all the branding, because um, we're branding this next one differently. God help me. Um, yeah, so things are 
Well, hot Things dog. Are getting ready. I know. Uh, our our guest coming up here, Jamie. She owns mm-hmm. the Grinning Yogi right next door to the float shop. <clears throat> mm-hmm. She has four different locations, and so I want to ask her about her expansions and and all that jazz. But I'm curious what motivates her to have multiple locations, and I'm curious what motivates you to want to have multiple want to have multiple locations. And in Jamie's case, Jamie, uh, if you could just give us some really great advice, <laughs> I would love you forever <laughs> on starting new locations. Um, so, you know, it's interesting. What motivates me? Uh, you know, I don't know if I. Uh, the goal was always to have three, and I don't know why I settled on three. Three was just kind of a random number I pulled out of my butt because I believe in in having very specific goals. Um, But I can tell you that after starting our first one, and it's so small, the reason that we're doing this is because, um, number one, I want to do it right. Hmm. You know, the first time we did it, it was hard. I, I was, you know, even just three and a half, almost four years ago, there was very few flow centers. And we did a lot of things the best way we could. We were the guinea pigs for the state of Tennessee Health Department. We had to do a lot of crappy things. Mm. And Mm, that, you know, it's just not ideal. And we didn't know enough. So I want to at least do at least one more. I want to do it right. And, um, and, you know, our last center was very small. Mm. Uh, This one will be a little bit bigger, be able to create and generate a little bit more income yeah so i can actually maybe (laughs) you know make a salary which would be awesome and uh yeah and you know quite frankly i do i enjoy a challenge i love a challenge and i do this stuff and i think why am i doing this to myself but honestly this is the fun part for me as much as i (laughs) complain and whine and scream this is the fun part this is where you got you get to be creative and you make things happen it reminds me of stage fright like it's hell to go out on stage and perform (laughs) Yet you're never more alive as when you're yeah. when you're performing. And this is it's this is best. your stage right now. Oh, I love it! I'm so excited for you. I'm so happy Thanks. for you and Mark. Oh my gosh! This is oh yeah, Mark. Such a big deal. Mark's Mark's excited. <laughs> is he excited? Is he, <laughs> he celebrating is excited. too? <laughs> uh, he's he's like me. We're like waiting. Oh, we we yeah. have that okay. bottle of we have that bottle of champagne. <laughs> but it's like until they till we sign that dot, dotted line. Remember the last few times yep. we got to this point and they completely pulled the rug out under us. So, uh, but they are taking it to their lawyer. So it's like okay, they're investing some money to make sure everything is good. Yeah. Um, so I feel. That's what makes me feel a little bit more confident. And my my real estate Liz, who we, who's we've had on the podcast yeah. in the back in the past, mm-hmm. um, doesn't get any bad vibes or bad feelings about cool. it. So did did she previously? Fingers crossed. Uh, yeah, she had moments where she's like, something's not right. They're being a little, being a little sneaky, being a little, you know, weird, a little shady. Um, this time, it's been. We've had a few surprises come up, but nothing. They panicked me in the moment just because I, I'm so paranoid at this point. But um, right, but everything got right worked right. out. And she's like, "Don't worry about. It. This is not a big deal. This is cool." Um, so I guess between her being confident and feeling like okay, they're investing some money in this process, uh, I just feel feel a little bit better. Um, now watch next week if I have to come back in and say, say we just lost everything. I'll cry. I'll cry. We'll get, we'll have a very emotion. It'll be one of those very emotional episodes, <laughs> but um, I, that's all right. I am, I am, uh, I have confidence because of your confidence. I've, I've never seen you so <laughs> confident of it before. So that's, that's good. That's good. But, but yeah, you never know. Yeah. 
happening. Yeah, you never know. Interestingly enough, I think I've come to a point where, maybe because I've been through it so many times, that, yeah, I'm excited and it would be awesome, but if this falls apart, I just have to trust that that wasn't meant to be, and, you know, what am sure. I going to do? Sure. I. <laughs> I can waste time. I can cry. I can get upset, and I probably will right. for a short period of time. But, <laughs> right. but um, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, okay, that's the past. It wasn't. It doesn't matter how much I cry, moan, whine, scream. Nothing's going to change. Mm-hmm. You got to keep moving forward. And if you're like me, you'd also feel unsuccessful and like a failure, and <sighs> not recognize in the moment. Oh my gosh, I have a successful business. <laughs> I have a successful marriage. I have all these other things that are yeah. successful. Uh, and it'd take some time yeah. to pick up those pieces as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You get it. But, you get uh, me. These these folks here tonight <laughs> will will be there for you, as as will the float yeah. community be there for you. I know no matter it. What everybody everybody's so supportive. They've always been. I'm very grateful. Uh, so again, I'm I'm excited. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, Fingers crossed. <laughs> I actually <sighs> I don't have a lot of oh replicating doing it right when you said that that resonated yeah. really strongly that's probably the number one reason i would want to open another flow center is <laughs> we opened before anybody knew anything about owning mm-hmm. running a flow center how to build one and now i feel like i actually know how to design a float center from the ground up but anything i do now is a modification to what already exists i want a, yeah. a blank canvas to start from the ground up on <laughs> There's something about that, yeah. It sounds very yeah. attractive to me, mm-hmm. which yeah, maybe not healthy and in the moment, just like you said, it, it might not be, but it does, it does look attractive. You know, it's interesting. My father always had this thing where if I screwed something up, he's like, "Nope, you got to do it until you get it right," because you always end doing whatever uh, that thing is correctly, so that you don't have that memory that linger, like your last memory, that lingering memory of what you did wrong is what's left in your mind, is what's messing with your mind. You always leave whatever the project is or whatever's going on. You always leave it after you've done it correctly. That's why I only lift weights one time each because my form gets terrible. (laughs) So that that first one is always mm, just perfect. Right on. It's also why I don't have muscle mass, but that's a different topic. Uh, so I did not have an eventful week. I've been battling this bug. I think actually I was starting to get it last week. Um, and my sleep, I've just been hot and cold and sweats and stuff. And it's oh. just been so lame. And our baby girl um, hasn't been sleeping well either. So it's been a really bad mix. I ended up sleeping on the couch, <clears throat> which I just absolutely hate doing. But as we found out today, it's because she's she has a little baby tooth coming in. So at the bottom of her gum, oh. you can feel a little, <laughs> little razor right underneath coming out of her gums, which explains why she hasn't been sleeping well. But wow, what a crazy, exciting, all the endorphins, just a Molotov cocktail of endorphins exploding in my brain and heart. Oh. Just that, <laughs> that little tooth. It is so cool. <sighs> so yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sweet. You, you know, one thing... Um, it is, it's not even float related. It's, I guess you want to call it, I don't know if it's marketing related, but I was at New Seasons. And so I was, I was just at a, at a supermarket, if, if you don't have New Seasons around. And uh, they have a booth, you know, where you get samples. And what New Seasons does a lot is rather than having like a big brand, uh, you know, give out samples, uh, mm-hmm. what they do is they have smaller companies do that. It's a little kind of almost startups uh, or medium sized businesses giving out samples and all that jazz which is really cool, and, and uh, what this woman was <laughs> selling were, were these ramen noodles. <laughs> Tried the sample. They were delicious. 
And I noticed that they had a bottle of sauce and they had the package of, of this ramen. And later I passed by again because I was actually, I was kind of thinking about it. I was like, I do love Marujan Top Ramen, but I'm not allowed to eat that anymore. I gotta, <laughs> gotta stay healthy and have a, have a working heart. So, mm. uh, so I, I just went by and I was like, so is the, is the sauce separate uh, than, than the noodles? And the woman selling goes, and I assume that she's associated with the business, like you know, maybe an employee, possibly owner, you know, but we're talking about a small business here. She went, oh, yeah, yeah, it is, it is you do buy that separate. And, and it, like her answer, I, I had, had my baby girl strapped to me and, you know, I just kept walking around the store and it was just racing around my head. Like, do I go back there and talk to her about this? Cause that was, that felt so wrong to me. And it did feel like me many years ago before, you know, even if you love what you have, you're not always confident in selling it. And she assumed that by having two separate products, it was a weakness to her when I wanted to go up and be like, listen, if, if and, and totally out of line, right? I didn't do it. I didn't go talk to her. I mean, maybe it would be possible to do it appropriately and, and have it end on a win, but I, I didn't have the cojones for it. And I just said, or in my head, I said, uh, you know, if somebody asks you to, if the sauce is separate, say, yeah. And, you know, not only is it good for the ramen noodles, it's also good on a salad or the meat you can cure, blah, blah, blah. Like here are all the things that are awesome for it. So yeah, and this bottle is going to last you forever. This is a full eight ounces or whatever, and you only use this much per ramen. So you can just keep using, you know, once you buy this, you're in for a lifetime, and you just stock up on these ramen, whatever, right? But, like, immediately turn it into a sale, which when I convert that into float shoppy land, it's for our employees, if, <laughs> if in, it's, it's a very special place in my brain, um, then <laughs> have I mentioned I haven't been getting sleep? <laughs> then when a, a slot is booked, um, you know, immediately going to the, the next spot that's available or the next day, or if you're visiting in town, what can we do? Oh, you're only in town for this weekend. We have massage available. Oh, acupuncture available. You know, just whatever it is, um, always be, gosh, uh, always be closing, you know, like not, <laughs> not in that cheesy way, but always be providing another opportunity or, or selling your product and standing behind it. Uh, shows me a couple things. Like, um, one is I've grown a lot in, in my kind of how, how I, uh, market, I guess, and how I talk about my product. That's, that's grown a lot in confidence over the years, but also just like, basic marketing stuff here. Like that should be a staple for all of us as owners. And we should be passing that on to our employees as well. Like this should always, it should always just be a handoff. Like we'll always be successful. No, but we should be handing that off every single time. It, it doesn't work here. Hand it off to the next slot. What about this? What about that? And, and selling as a positive thing, whatever that may be. That is brilliant. And let me say, Dylan, one of the, just along that same line, one of the issues I have, and I have to remind myself of this all the time, is, you know, we, I think sometimes we think about it, oh, well, I'm just trying to sell them something. It's so mm -hmm. uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. You don't know where that person is. You don't know what they need. Only they know what they need. And it mm -hmm. might be, well, a float isn't available. Okay. They get that. But then you offer a massage and like, oh my gosh, I just need something, you know, maybe they have sore muscles and a float isn't available, but that massage sounds great. And if they can't float, 
They need that massage. We are not there to assume what they need or, or don't need. We need to offer what we have mm-hmm. to help them and allow them to make that decision. Sometimes I think I make that decision for them, and that right. is just that's bad human being. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's like I'm I'm deprived. I could be depriving them of something that they need, and that's not cool, and that's not my place, that's and exactly that's not my right. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's their choice, not mine. Right. Yeah. Let it be. Let it be their choice. Mm-hmm. You, you give them all the opportunities or the information. Uh, and, and if you don't have massage and acupuncture and all that, it, it can simply be the, the time slots or different float tanks, all mm-hmm. this stuff. And and if you're completely booked up, A, congratulations, but B, hand them off to another float center in mm-hmm. town. And, you know, even if they love that brand and they never go see you again, they're going to tell their friends. If, if they are consistently going back to float, they're going to be telling their friends. And guess what? That other friend is closer to your location, so they go to your location first. Like, it's just overall brand or not brand awareness float awareness that's going to be rising in your town or city that's really important and uh yeah so get get keep spreading that word and always (laughs) always be closing i can't even think of the the movie that that's from i know i've seen it a bunch of times but again sleep deprivation is a beautiful thing um you know lance i i uh, cut you off there before i think uh, you want to talk about something else that's really exciting if you want to if you want to share Ooh, you got some news well, a little uh, little anniversary coming up. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I I forgot about what exciting news. Yeah, it's with our, old uh, age, three three years. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, July first. It's our it's our third birthday, our third anniversary. So um, we're getting ready Congrats. to do our little annual sale and annual party. It's sort of on the actual yes. Canada Day, which is um, the same as your Independence Day, I guess, and. Uh, Right in front of our building is the river and what they call Bower Ponds, and that's where they have the big party and light off all the fireworks. So we have a prime, prime location for all the good celebrations, and that's when we so happen to uh, celebrate our birthday. So You did some uh, crazy geo-targeting last year with that, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, last year was the first time I ever actually did geo-targeting. I actually dropped a pin right across the river, um, at Bower Ponds, where there's about 15,000, 20,000 people there during the day. Um, I dropped a pin there and actually made an ad giving directions to our float center. So if you're in, you know, if you're at Bower Ponds, come stop on by, just, you know, walk down the end of the road, take a right. Wow. And um, that worked First really slides. well. Um, and for the last two, two years, we sold um, $50 gift cards on, on that day. And it's been really good for us, but this year we're going to try a little different. We're going to do the two floats for 99. So I'm trying to double that and, uh, yeah, hopefully uh, get a bit more of those uh, floats sold. Cool. We're, nice. We are all doing less discounts, that's for sure. Like uh, promos, it's not always just about cutting the price. Yeah, we don't really have any sales. Um, that's that's the one day of the year we've always had a, a good sale. And uh, this year, yeah, we're just sort of doubling that, and that's now you get two floats. So. Yeah, that's cool. Nice. Congratulations. Yeah, congratulations. That's big. Three yeah. years, man. That's You made it. You made it past the really dangerous parts where a lot of other people mm. didn't, didn't make it. Yeah. So mm-hmm. congrats. It's huge. Yeah, I think it went by pretty quick. I'll it say. does fly by, doesn't it? Yeah. Dylan, does it feel, you're what, at five years, Dylan? Five and a half, yeah. I five mean, and a half, does it feel like five and a half? Uh, Amy, you're asking me at the wrong time. Time means nothing uh. to me at this point in my <laughs> life. I'm a seven-month-old child and no sleep, so uh, I have no idea. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know. In some ways, it's it's gone by incredibly fast. I do kind of feel like it's slowing down a little bit now. It's not this crazy rush every day like the first three years was. Um, and it, so go ahead. It, it it's also interesting to me. Like when this show started, like Lance was the idea of like a new float center, you know. And I think you had been Amy. You yeah. had been open for yeah. three years and. Yeah, we just, yeah, just a little bit under, That's yeah. so interesting. Like, we are veteran flow centers, all of us now. It's very interesting. <laughs> and you expanding, too. Gosh, yeah, we're all, we're all grown up. It's the very babies cool. are growing up. <laughs> oh, well, Lance, it. that's exciting. Are you going to, are you, so you, this, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to, to, to walk away from that, Dylan. I'm no. so sorry, but I'm, I'm kind of excited. I know other people will want to know this. Are you going to do the geotargeting to do that ad, or are you going to push it some other ways Oh, no, this year? I'm definitely doing that geotargeting. That worked yeah. really good, and it didn't cost us very much. I think, I don't know, it was 50 or $85 I put onto that. Jeez, I may that's try and, great. Yeah, that's Facebook. I may, try and, um, may try and increase that a little more and, and see what we do. But uh, our first year... <laughs> Our first year, we made the mistake of, of going with radio because just a really good salesman, he sort of got us. <laughs> uh, that was a complete flop, like flop, flop, flop. There was almost no one that showed up when we relied on radio. And then I did that geotargeting, and it was you know, a lineup all day of tours and people buying gift uh. cards. And uh, yeah, uh -oh. so yeah, I'll definitely be doing that again. And, uh, we'll start cool. to ramp up the. Probably this next week, now that our Father's Day stuff has, you know, started to wind down, mm. or has wound down. Right. Father's Day is over. Happy Father's Day, Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> Winding down, thanks. Aww. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see here. There, this is, uh, so obviously FloatOn has been a, a sponsor of us, uh, and the Float Conference has been a sponsor. Uh, they wanted to talk about something a little, little different tonight, which is that they are doing a, <clears throat> excuse me, they're doing their yearly float industry survey. This is a really fascinating, very interesting survey that goes out every year that they share uh, for free to the entire community. Uh, they had over 400 entries last year. 170 of them were from existing float centers. And so far, they've collected 290. 125 are from existing float centers so far. So they, they've got a lot more float centers percentage-wise responding this time that are actually open. So that's interesting um, to see how many respond by time they open up here or by time they, they, they close down uh, responding. So um, if you're planning on opening a float center, if you already own a float center, uh, this is uh, a very important survey for the industry. Float tanks, uh, excuse me, floattanksolutions.com forward slash survey is where you want to go uh, to check this out and answer the questions. It's not a very long survey at all. Um, please do take the time to, to answer their questions. Uh, there's nothing too specific in there. Don't worry, you're not going to be giving away too much, too vital of information about your business. It's all um, really cool stuff that uh, is always fun to look at in years past. And it's also very fascinating to compare uh, each year, Nerdy. each successive year, uh, and see how this industry is growing and changing and, and developing. It's, it's quite fascinating. So again, uh, floattanksolutions.com forward slash survey is where you want to go to fill out that form. Please, I hope everybody who listens to this episode goes there to fill out that, that form. It's, it's an important one. And, uh, and, and thanks to Float Tank Solutions for hosting that uh, and getting that out there. <coughs> 
excuse me. So I do want to bring on Jamie. She owns Grinning Yogi uh, with us at the float shop or in the space that we have right next door. It's where we've had f- failures of, of yoga, uh, hosting yoga ourselves, and a place where she's gone in and just absolutely thrived. So I'm interested in learning uh, what she's done uh, differently than us and has been so successful and, and obviously take things that she's learned and, and um, uh, apply that to our float centers because I think there'll be a lot of really valuable information on in there as well. This interview might go a little bit short or it might get cut off for special reasons that we'll get into in just a moment here. Jimmy, welcome to the show. Before we get started, do you want to introduce the uh, second person we have on the microphone tonight? Sure, and thank you. So we have baby Covey with me. <laughs> So if you hear little baby sounds that are adorable and yes. hopefully no cries, that's what that is. <laughs> and, and how old is he? He's three months old. Wow, that's incredible. Thank you so much for being on the show with a three-month-old, by the way. <laughs> that is something mm-hmm. I don't think I could have accomplished at three months. So, you know, which actually reminds me of actually just one of the things I really admire about you. And one of the reasons, one of the reasons I wanted you on the show tonight is you are... Um, you have a really interesting history, and you're very, um, I don't know what the term would be, grit, go get them, determined. I'm sure all of these things match. But do you want to go ahead and describe some of your um, history? Sure. Um, it's interesting that you use, like, go get them, because I think of it as, like, survival, like, just oh, keep wow. swimming. Um, but I, uh, I grew up <laughs> as a figure skater, which... Um, was amazing and was awful, uh, was awful, was awful. Um, so I was an ice dancer, but through kind of the course of that sport, I actually suffered from anorexia. So part of my journey with skating, which ultimately became my journey with my body. Is this okay that the baby's holding the microphone? Is that messing Actually, the audio sounds fantastic right now. (laughs) Awesome. Good job there. Um... (laughs) But I, uh, long story short, I had a very tumultuous time with my body, and that was when I kind of fell into yoga. Um, and I'm, I'm really grateful that I was able to heal and recover, and I ultimately went to the Olympics in 2006. But um, now what I do, in addition to some kind of advocacy work with girls, whoa, baby, you're pulling on my microphone. Good grip. Um, nice. Is I, I own yoga studios, because for me... Um, the practice really saved me, and um, I never thought it would be what I would do for a career, but I guess, you know, five years down the line of ownership, it is my career. Right. <laughs> so that was a very roundabout, not fully articulated, oh, I know. Um, yeah. Well, <laughs> no, I think that's a, that's a great introduction. And um, you, as far as the uh, yoga goes, you started out um, up in Seattle, I believe, or at least up in Washington with a yeah. single location. You now have four locations, including one at the, at the float shop, or at least uh, next door to the float shop, I should say. Float shop adjacent. Float shop adjacent, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, just as somebody who owns a single location, I'm just impressed with somebody who has expanded out to multiple locations. And the other thing that I really want to get to tonight is your marketing and how uh, just uh, for anybody who hasn't heard me talk about the community space before, we tried expanding to doing yoga uh, under the float shop umbrella with us, Sandra and I managing it. And it was just a, well, there's a baby in the room, so watch my language, but it was just, a, um, it, it was not successful in any way. 
it was terrible <laughs> for everybody involved. It was very difficult, and very few people showed up. It was very inconsistent with our teachers. We just didn't know how to manage teachers and all that stuff. It was very bad, and we had uh, very poor marketing for that as well. We eventually handed it off to somebody else who did better, but I didn't know how successful it could be until Jamie showed up and uh, just fills up those rooms with students. It's so impressive how full those are, particularly considering how long she's been in our space, which is only a matter of months. So, um, Jimmy, just real briefly, before we get into the marketing, do you want to talk to me a little bit about how you got into opening multiple locations? Was that the, that sure. survival part of uh, it? It was, it was a bit of survival. Um, I opened the first one almost five years ago, and that was kind of, for me, the question of, like, if I'm going to go into debt for something, was it going to be grad school or this business that I really believe in? Um, and I was, you know, just myself at the time, so no kiddos, no serious relationship, and I felt like it was a good time to take that risk because I did really believe in it, and grad school was, for me, the thing that I think a lot of people in my generation do when they don't know what to do. Um, <laughs> So I found this little shop, and it's so funny, I um, had never signed a lease, never done anything, and I got a letter from my grandma that said, like, I'll invest $5,000 in my granddaughter's business. Like, oh this is how I'm trying to put a business plan together to convince someone to rent me a place. But um, for whatever <laughs> reason, they decided to rent me this place, which was a small, small kind of basement space that um, used to be like a CD video store. <laughs> But that is the original Grinning Yogi, and we're still up and running there. Cool. Um, and then the expansion happened, I think, as a survival thing. Um, my first expansion was the Portland Southeast location, and that was my husband got a job out in Portland for residency, and you can't really say no to that. Um, but I had no intention of leaving Seattle. and kind of the feminist in me was like, I'm not moving for Guy. So oh, nice, right. I moved out here and, and we opened the studio in Southeast, um, having not really lived here before, but I knew we were going to be here at a minimum of three or so years. And it turns out we'll be here longer because um, he really fell in love with his program and, and oh, secured wow. a contract. So that's exciting. And then Seattle, our second expansion there, was uh, answer to the fact that I'm now in Portland and I needed to take on more staff, but to pay the salaries that um, I was hoping to pay people, mm -hmm. we just needed more volume. Okay. So we added another location, um, which allowed me to hire, I have three full-time employees who not only teach, but also kind of run the back end of the two studios. Okay. got it. And then what happened with your sweet space was I was pregnant and had this idea, which is now kind of ironic because I never want to leave the house with the kid, <laughs> but <laughs> I'll just drop the baby off, we'll have childcare, and I'll oh. be working, and he'll be in there, um, which has not come to fruition yet, but hopefully it will <laughs> at some point, um, yeah. but it just felt like this thing that I couldn't get out of my head. Um, it was sure. awful timing, and you know, for, <laughs> for obvious reasons, but I kind of had this, like, if I don't try it... Um, I think I'm going to regret it. And wow. so we came into your space, and then I promptly disappeared into motherhood, which is about where I'm at now as I talk to you and bounce a baby. <laughs> wow. 
Wow. So stepping back to that first expansion, you said you talked about volume. And I think this is something that might be very true with float centers is that we don't make a lot of money as float center owners. And um, what I see are a lot of people um, either trying to expand to maybe make make that nut that they thought maybe they'd be making with that first one, or maybe it was the plan from the beginning, or actually funding their first location so that they can um, uh, with with either their family's money or you know husband or wife's money or their other job f- funding that business so that they can open multiple locations to make it profitable. I- mm-hmm. Is that kind of what you're saying by doing volume? Well, I mean, probably the same thing with you guys. You hit a carrying capacity where, you know, the time's available to add to the schedule. No one's going to do yoga. Um, And the classes are really limited by capacity. So Mm -hmm. for us to bring more revenue in when we were kind of at the upper end of our class schedule and our capacity, the only real way to do that was to uh, float a second shop. No pun intended. (laughs) Nice. You're the first person to make a float pun on this show. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) Uh, So going back to that first location, you... um, Oh, and by the way, just a a little bit more about expanding to multiple locations is that, you know, I think a lot of people are one and done and other people just have this particular drive inside them and I don't think it's a good or a bad thing to... uh, to expand further, do you have any idea why you have that drive? <laughs> um, I think that's part of the survival thing. For me, um, being really honest, I uh, grew up in a family of divorced parents, and my mom didn't really have a career, and I think it kind of put something under my butt to make sure I had something that was mine. Um, I think I really, really believe in what I do, and I also, it's really great to me to get to employ a lot of, a lot of people. Um, mm-hmm. That makes me feel, I don't know, it makes me feel good. Um, yeah, and I, I can tell you that before I had the kiddo, I was really like, oh my gosh, we'll have grinnings everywhere. I'm not uh-huh, sure I'm that right. driven anymore, <laughs> but I would love for the ones we have to flourish. Um, I would love to empower other female leaders if they want to kind of branch out from what we're doing. Cool. Interesting. Like that's where I'm at right now. That's yeah. really cool. I think there is a certain amount of like knowing thyself that you can't do until you've actually opened your business. Because I definitely had dreams of multiple locations or I don't know if it's franchise or we'd own them all, but we'd be all over the place. And then after the first one, I just felt like we were never done with the first one. There was so much more refinement to be done. Like this, this industry just didn't feel ready for me to be, to be doing that, um, or, or or to be fulfilling myself by doing that. Well, it's interesting. I think owning businesses kind of taught me to like screw perfection, if that makes sense. Like, oh, funny. Mm-hmm. I could do things a lot better in a lot of ways, but I had to kind of recover myself from that in order to just get things going. That's great. Great insight, <laughs> yes. Um, yoga, one one might be able to argue, particularly in Portland and probably up in Washington and Seattle as well. A little saturated market. <laughs> pretty pretty much a yoga studio on every block up in Northwest. I mean, it's, it's not an easy industry to enter, and obviously that's something we learned the hard way. Um, when you started out for the first time, what made your business stand apart and become successful with, with location number one? Yeah. 
I think I was so naive with location number one, to be honest. And I think if I knew then what I knew now, I'm not even sure I would have done it, which is great because it's in existence. Um, right, right. <laughs> we opened with basically no overhead, I think. Mm. You know, we put floors in and we painted the walls. Um, and I taught for free for a really long time mm. to make the economics work. Mm -hmm. um, and I really believe in what I teach and I think people get that. I'm not a typical yoga teacher in the sense of I'm not very dogmatic. Um, I'm not very, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to use the word spiritual, but I am spiritual, but I'm not, I think, in that like very ancient kind of seep tradition, like it comes through in a different way. Mm. Um, and I say what's on my mind. I'm an oversharer, which I think people <laughs> really much enjoy in their classes. Um, cool. Yeah, and I think it was the right place at the right time for the Seattle location, and that kind of gave us enough of a, a brand that then we had some confidence to expand. Um, but Portland was certainly different than I thought it was going to be. How so? Kind of changing cities. Uh, how was it different? Um, I had heard when I lived in Seattle that Portland was Seattle's sister, and you could just like it was just gonna show up and plots it in and it would work. And I think um, my experience with people in Portland of, are they're a lot more loyal uh, and a lot more caring, <laughs> but you gotta win them over. Like everyone is kind of a creature of habit. So we have more trouble getting people to try us out in Portland, huh. but people that fall in love with us don't really leave. Interesting, cool. Yeah. I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> What do you mean when you had a brand identity uh, with location number two? What, did that, what does that mean to you? Uh, for us, it's having kind of like a sleek enough idea and aesthetic and understanding internally of who we are and what we want to offer that I can kind of keep some consistency and experience so I'm not starting from scratch with a second location. Mm -hmm. um, we were lucky enough to have a lot of staff kind of turnover, or not turnover, but staff being willing to like come over to both locations, which was really mm -hmm. great. Um, and it's that general recognition, um, word of mouth, like mm -hmm. people know who we are. Mm -hmm. So that was, all of those things I think worked to help us specifically, like once we were established in a city, get a second one going. Um, the brand didn't cross between Seattle and Portland, so we did a lot of work kind of those first two years at the Portland studio. And, and I'd like to talk about that a little bit more. And actually, I'm going to interject real quick and just say, can we post a few pictures of the different yoga studios? You guys have beautiful oh. murals and all of them that do connect your brand across them and kind of give the yeah. feeling of your yoga studios. I'd and I'll give the artist a, a shout out. His name is Nicholas Richards, and he's... Um, He's, it's like I can't open a gritting without having him do a mural. And it's always like last minute, like him there all night spray painting. Um, <laughs> but he's awesome. And yeah, he's kind of part of our brand, that's for sure. Totally, right? So um, you, you talked about kind of starting over in Portland. That I, that's one thing I really want to get to here is the things that you're talking about, organic, things like word of mouth and loyalty are all awesome and true. And I also see you guys have some serious hustle as well when it comes to your marketing. And that's something that I think we have found in the flow industry. I think 
because it's so new and exciting, or at least it, it used to be in different cities and it still is in different cities across the country and, and the world, um, word of mouth has a lot of impact with floating. And it's also, it fades out as well. Like it, it doesn't have the same impact that it does in Portland. And a lot of us are realizing, oh, we need to have a marketing game plan here. We, we can't keep filling up our float tanks without a, like you said, a brand and a marketing campaigns and, and being focused on that and having that hustle. And as far as the float shop goes, I think we were, we were so focused on the inward part when we first opened of creating the space and, and it worked out and that's fine, but it took us a long time to start realizing we need to actually you leverage this, what we've created here on the inside and bring it outside to other people. Um, and again, I want to compliment what you guys do. You guys have an amazing hustle organization and you know what you're doing. So I'm curious if you'd like to share a little bit of <laughs> what it is that you guys do, what like literally the things that you do and also behind the scenes, how you actually plan and to execute those things. Sure. Uh, first of all, that's a huge compliment because it's always a place that we're looking to kind of zhuzh a little bit and get better at. <laughs> sure. um, yoga, probably similar to float, is always going to be word of mouth unless you're trying to like use Yelp in a new city to mm. you know take one class. But as mm. far as people that are going to be part of our community, it's really, really word of mouth. Nice. So I'd say our f like biggest priority is the people that come through the door have a great experience. Mm -hmm. So some of the things that we do to help with that, um, everyone, their first visit, they get an individual email from us. And if the teacher had had an interaction with that person, we'll have them make a note in their account. I know you guys use MindBody software as well. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. make a note in the client account because then when I'm emailing or one of my managers is emailing, it's like, hey, you just took class with Jamie. Uh, we know you're new to town, and we hope that place we suggested for lunch sounded great. You know, wow. like, whatever little details we can give. Um, well, uh, mind you, we don't get that many notes, so it's not as complicated <laughs> as it sounds. But we do email everyone, um, and not from, like, there's a lot of days automated email kickbacks, but we found that those don't work as well as, like, writing from Jamie at the Grinning Yogi, or we have a hello at the Grinning Yogi. Um, so that, that's one thing we do. We also do a lot of member perks. So if you're an existing member of our community, you can bring a friend for free. Um, you get discounts on swag. You get discounts on workshops. Um, so those type of things to kind of thank the people that are coming. Uh, we try to, you know, once or twice a year, give our members handwritten cards as another thank you. Um, so, so those kind of things. And then as far as getting people in the door, you know, we've used some of these things. We've never done a Groupon, but we've used something like called ClassPass, which mm -hmm. is kind of a step up from Groupon. Um, the issue with ClassPass, and this probably is not relevant to Float, is people become members of them. So it's really right. hard for us to make them members of our community. So, so they get a discount at every yoga studio that's under ClassPass. So they'll just go to each one once for that test trial and not come back because the, the discount doesn't continue. Right. So that's, you know, it, it helps get people in the door, but what we're looking for are people that really want to make us their home. And then it's our job to welcome them in. You know, does mm -hmm. that make sense? I think so. I'm not sure I answered all of your questions. 
good because I, I well I have even more and I want to keep diving down into this topic so okay. it's, it's all good like because I I know that you guys basically have done like a little street team you know running up and down the street with um, I don't know if it's flyers or business cards what what did yeah. you guys do when you first showed up so we have uh, a team of trade people we call them carmies um, and basically in exchange. For classes, they help us with a couple things. Some of it is just studio maintenance, like cleaning up, um, being present in our classes. Some, we have some of them help with childcare. Uh, and then we have some of them kind of go on the streets for us. So what that means is they get free class cards and they get flyers and they go into businesses and they make an individual connection. We find that just spamming businesses, and I say this because when people spam me, I just ignore it. Um, just spamming businesses without having like, hey, I met you, right. it, we don't get any traction. Yeah. Um, so, and then we offer to do basically free classes for different businesses staff. So we had a new seasons class set up. We've done, um, I don't know if there's on 23rd, but there's an urban wax on Southeast that we've done multiple classes for. We've done some classes for different restaurants in the area. Um, like because word of mouth, yeah, that it's a one trickle class down. Is, for, is for them. We yeah, I will nice. go in and I'll teach just their staff and I'll make oh. jokes about waxing or whatever. But nice. that, <laughs> the idea is like <laughs> these are people that are in the neighborhood, and then if they have a client or they have someone ask them, hey, where do you go to yoga? Or hey, what's that business like? They've had a positive experience with us that we can kind of refer directly, um, and we really try to you know, be involved in our community too, as far mm -hmm. as like, I get my haircut at the place next door to the yoga studio, like, you know, a little like reciprocity. Cool, excellent. So, yeah. May I ask you a little about the actual trade part, the legality of that? Do you know about the legality of trade and that? that... Oh, I have never looked into it. It's okay. kind of a thing that most yoga yes. studios do. Yes. And I, no one has ever asked me that question. Um, you know, everyone that comes to our business has to sign a waiver as far as like personal liability. But mm -hmm. I mean, my worst, my worst kind of experiences with the trade stuff is people just not doing it sure, um, right. or not showing up. And then it's yeah. like, okay, that's fine. We're just going to suspend your pass. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, we have we have more people wanting to do stuff as trade than we have tasks for them, and that's sure. that's been interesting because that's been um, especially in Portland. Like, everyone <laughs> wants to get yoga, but no one really wants to pay for the service of yoga. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so that's a struggle for us sometimes. Um, I'm I'm curious if we have a similar. I mean, you can get more bodies into your space and we we can float tanks. I mean, we can only get four people in, you know, per per two hours. So when we do trade, you know, we have to have a, a particular limit to what we can do with trade. Yeah. Um, and people do want to, to do trade and they want to promote your brand and be part of the street team. But then we only have so many slots we can do for that. Do you, is that kind of what you're describing? Of that? Yeah. And we, we typically like, I'll say this is how many shifts I'm, like willing to hire for right and then basically we'll just keep a list of people um and there are certainly i don't know if you experience this but we certainly have people that like shop from studio to studio just trying to get free yoga um uh -huh. 
but I would say all of our people that come on board are really great and, and do tend to really go above what we ask them. You know, sometimes we'll have them, you know, bring their friends in to try us. Sometimes we'll have them do mm. a social media post. But um, they're really grateful and, and good people. But it is like, yeah, if I could just give everyone free yoga all the time, I'm sure we would be full, but we also wouldn't have a business. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep. Agreed, yeah. We've been learning that the hard way. Yeah, that was definitely somewhere that Sanjay and I had to recover from since we opened. We can't just give away every float. Like, yeah. We love this, but we got to stay open. Um, so you also, I feel like there's always like some kind of a, I don't know if campaign is the right word, but every time I walk into the studio, something is going on, like a, a promotion of some type. How far in advance are these planned? I mean, obviously you've been running for five years. Do you reuse them every year? Just talk to me a yeah. little bit more about those. There's a couple things we do every year. So we do something called Sepfest or September Fest, and that's going to be kind of, yoga is a very seasonal business. Uh, where in the summer, we're just looking to maintain. Um, <laughs> right. But in September, everyone's kind of coming in again. So we'll do a September fest where we do a week of highly, highly discounted classes. And then we always really try to kind of sell the membership during mm -hmm. that. We've noticed members are always best for us because there's a lot of ways we can take care of them. And it also mm -hmm. helps us, you know, just from a budgeting standpoint, you have an idea about what your costs are um, and what your income is. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and then we'll always, in January time, we'll do another kind of week something. So for Portland, January is actually our anniversary week. So we just call it anniversary week. But it's, again, one of these similar kind of like get back in, you know, holidays, everything is over. And we'll do some membership campaigns around that. And then we have some events that are just great for community. We always do um, a fair amount of live DJ classes over the year. Nice. That tends to get people. We do, you know, Thanksgiving time, we'll do some classes where we donate cans to the food drive. Nice. Um, the, those kind of events. We do some workshops. We host a training. Training is one way that, like, mm -hmm. we make money for those kind of slimmer months, which is helpful. Mm -hmm. um, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, is that an answer? Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, it just it feels like there's always something running when I when I walk in there. Just something new that's that you guys are campaigning, and um, I just feel like I'm always um, maybe, maybe not always. And I definitely feel like I'm improving this, so I shouldn't say it like it's a permanent thing of how I how I live. But um, it's been difficult going into January and making sure there's a promo in January or making sure there's something to celebrate. Oh my gosh, yeah. what a cutie pie. Uh, it's making sure there's something to uh, promote or celebrate in February. You know, just always having those ducks in a row to launch those things has been a challenge for me. And, and same yeah. Here, obviously. Yeah, I think um, it's helpful to just kind of, you know, a couple times a year, just write out on paper, like what each month is. Because most of these months have natural holidays that kind mm -hmm. of come to it. So, you know, like February, it's really easy to do, like bring a friend because we're talking about love and Valentine's and, you know, like Galentine's or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> nice. um, but that's helpful. And then, you know, the big ticket pushes, we kind of know what they are every year and it becomes an automated thing of like, this is happening. How many months back do I need to prepare to get mm. it executed well? And, and what do you do to prepare for the execution? Because you do have clear yeah. branding. You have a clear 
logo and, and image work. I mean, it all seems to flow together very well. Yeah, so we always have for the like big ticket kind of promotional things, we either reuse stuff that we've had from the past or I have a graphic designer who kind of like from time to time I'll ping and say like, hey, I need something amazing for this. Um, and then we get kind of, there's two parts. We have to educate the staff on it so that they're announcing it and you know, on top of that people are having the kind of experience we want them to have when they come. And then it's, you know, I remember the first time we did one of these really highly discounted weeks, it was the business is going to take a hit this week, so I need to make it valuable, which means I need to get people in the door, and I need to be able to have some follow-up. So that's partially where some of these like email campaigns um, got really fleshed out, and it's also kind of where we put our street team out there, and mm. you know we print out the quarter cards, or we do we do a lot on social media at this point. Um, okay. Yeah. And, and, we, and so who's in charge of your social media as well? And are you using software to automatically roll it out? Or are you making sure to click that button every time? We find that we do better when we don't automate it. Things like Hootsuite are amazing if someone's going away for a week just to kind of set up. But part of social media is not only getting people to see it, but to actually use it for what it was originally designed for, which is some kind of community and connection. So that means I have to be on it enough where if someone writes a comment, I can comment back. Right. Um, you know, and it's interesting, especially with Instagram, and I don't know if you guys use Instagram, yep. but there's so many like spammy comments and people that are just trying to play the game a little bit. Uh -huh. um, but then we do have interactions from our clients, which is great. And we always try to steal their pictures and put them on our feed nice, when they mention right. us and stuff <laughs> like that. Cool. Yeah. And Facebook was great originally. Their algorithms keep on changing, so it's hard for me to get a handle on just how effective it is since I don't want to boost every post with money. Right. You know? Right. So. Yeah, it is, it's definitely interesting how it's changing. By the way, I just have to mention, or yeah, just mention how interesting it is. Like everything you're talking about, I've, um, Amy is our marketing guru here, and I feel like everything you're talking about, I've heard from a different angle of her saying some of the exact same things. So it's, just really remarkable to me, like how, um, and and I'll I'll throw uh, float on under the bus here, kind of kind of tongue in cheek here a little bit, but but uh, they do so much guerrilla marketing, or at least they did when they first opened. It was brilliant guerrilla marketing, and I mean the artist program became a staple among float centers of how to market and become a positive brand identity or positive business in your community, and. I think I thought that the float industry needed original marketing styles to function. And what I've been realizing over the last few years is that marketing's been around for a minute. This is nothing new. Uh, it's just about, there, there are certain things that work. Mind you, the industry is changing and is changing drastically. You're talking about Facebook algorithms changing. You know, it seems like nearly daily that's changing. But even Facebook or social media being such a thing, and kind of kicking the butt of even like TV marketing or newspaper ads, those kind of things, um, and being able for s small businesses to be able to get their brand out there, but yet um, potential clients being, I mean, just having blinds up towards marketing as well is, is uh, just yeah. creating a completely new landscape. It's um, interesting. I remember when I opened, I used to get a ton of like um, kind of similar to like Portland Mercury in Seattle. It's called The Stranger, mm -hmm. but I used to every month, 
get someone requesting that I put an ad in. Uh-huh. And those basically have all gone away. Um, yeah. It's curious how everything is done online nowadays. One thing, we advertised in the Mercury. It's a free newspaper here in Portland. And we stopped doing it because we realized it was just attracting the wrong clientele for us. It just wasn't our mm. our demographic. Uh, so it, it just didn't make sense at that point. Um, but but there are tried and true marketing techniques that just make sense. And um, if you're coming up with something new, what are the things that go through your mind? And, and I say new, not like an entirely new style of marketing, but just coming up with a new campaign for the summertime to fill, um, put, put bodies into your um, yoga studio. You know, are you pre-planning? Are you saying I'm going to do one social media post about this a week? Are you saying... Um, you know, this is the the quarter page or, you know, kind of postcard size thing that we're going to hand out to all our clients and we're going to start doing that a month ahead of time. What are just the different segments of launching a campaign that you run through your mind to to plan out? Well, I think first, it's always important for us to get a sense of who our client is (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, because that affects where and how we put things out there. So my mom, I love her. She goes to yoga, but her yoga studio is not my yoga studio. And every every time I talk to her, it feels like she's telling me some campaign they're doing, which uh-huh. is great, but not um, something uh. that we would want to do. So part of our execution involves like making sure that we're refined enough that our our client is going to want to come to it. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, we have the cards at the desk when people check in. Um, we do a lot of social media posts, so I would say closer to one a day versus one a week. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we send out newsletters. Sometimes I personally email people. We use MailChimp, which is great, but it's the same thing. People respond to a personal email more than they respond mm-hmm. to an automated email. Yeah. Um, and And for me, it's also... I find the best way to get people involved is for me to directly call them out when I see them in person. So, sure. for example, one way we build community, um, which isn't, I know you're asking about big events, but um, for like a small event is we do like a brunch club where you go out and you have brunch after class with us. And oh, wow. I can fill that up very easily if I just kind of personally invite someone to come. Oh, cool. And it's, it's similar with the big ticket stuff. Like if I've personally kind of, almost like harassed and I say that with like all the love in my heart but been like hey am I going to see you there um right I have a lot more success that's really interesting um just that that direct connection because when we've hosted special events they tend to have low turnouts but yet we've developed friendships with people that yeah just that personal connection if we invited people individually to come to this event they would absolutely be there and feel like it was something special and these are the evangelical you know patrons who are going to be telling everybody about it too so yeah uh, it didn't it didn't need to be an email blast to 4000 people or I don't know what it's like 7000 people whatever ridiculous number it it can just be a small group of 20 people you're contacting i find the like there's something like even just sending something as an evite versus sending something as an email, like doing something that kind of um, makes people know that it's important for you to see them um, is great. And I also find that like when we launch studios, we'll ask kind of specific people that we know love us to kind of give us a little support. So I'll say like, hey, can you review us on Yelp or can you do oh, these nice. things for us? Mm-hmm. Um, and they always tend to show up. You know, we opened on 
the 23rd location with you guys and I think that opening weekend we had sold out classes like that was a cool thing and yeah. of course those people don't necessarily intend to always cross the river because crossing the river is a big deal for people in Portland um, indeed it is if we had a but, few more bridges it wouldn't be but it's a big but deal they'll, they'll show up for us when we ask which is cool um, and hopefully we show up for them you know there's a lot of yeah. reciprocity that's important too you know, just, uh, I, I'm going to put you on the spot here. You don't have to come up with the most incredible answer here in the world because this isn't your industry. But, you know, we, you get somebody for an hour at a time in, in that space and get to connect with them as well as have some downtime, you know, a few one-on-one conversations before and after or p- potentially. We leave people for 90 minutes to be completely on their own. What would you, what advice would you give Float Center owners and employees um, for how to touch base before and afterwards to make sure that that, that, that that bond you're talking about sounds like that is a very high priority to you with your business. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you tell other Float Center owners for how to best maximize that few minutes before and after for us? Yeah, I mean, I, you guys are in customer service just like, you know, even though I'm teaching yoga, I'm in customer service. So mm-hmm. part of it is I think how you guys meet people and I know you do a great job um, with everyone that works for you. Like every time I go in, I feel welcomed and taken care of. Um, Mm -hmm. As far as the follow up, you might be in a similar situation as we are. Like people get yoga stoned and they leave and that's a really good thing. It means they had a positive experience, (laughs) but I'm not necessarily going to have a really long chat with people after class. I'm always available to if they want it because I think that's important. But Mm -hmm. that's where some of the, I think, email marketing that's really specific to like that person can come in because I'm assuming people leave float stoned in the same way where maybe they're not going to want to book their next uh, time and all that. Um, But... I think a, a nice reminder or a sweet note, um, you know, within 48 hours is probably okay. something to remind them. Excellent. Yeah. Now, it looks like we might have, uh, somebody might be turning into a pumpkin here. Is that right? I think so. Okay. <laughs> well, I think we got pumpkin. Thank you so much for, for being on the show, both of you. <laughs> I yeah. really appreciate it. I appreciate your marketing insights. And... <laughs> Ooh. Thank you so much for being on our show. Okay. <laughs> Cubby says thank and you. I'll, I'll talk to you soon and, and have a great night. And a good Thanks. sleep with the baby there. Bye. Yeah. Bye. So that was really cool. We um, Obviously, time was cut short there a little bit. I, I, I'm sorry you guys didn't have a little more space and room to get in there. I know I know her the best to do that, mm-hmm. but... Um, what did, what did you guys think about that? I mean, this is the first time we've had somebody outside the industry. I mean, Mike Arnison was on. I guess he, he, he's SEO expert, but, you know, completely different industry, but she's really good at marketing. What were your guys' thoughts on that? It's good. It just connects that how important it is to make a personal connection um, mm-hmm. through everything you do. Mm-hmm. You know that that goes the distance. I think Lance brought up a great uh, a a great part, and a, certainly I think one of the most important parts of that episode is the um, is the connection with customer, mm-hmm. and reaching out with those personal uh, personal emails in her case. But you know, like I've said before, uh, and I know I've mentioned this in so many 
uh, uh, earlier episodes or earlier podcasts, you know, we write individual notes to everyone who comes after their first time, and we make a point to to send handwritten notes, oftentimes to members. And um, if somebody comes in and makes a comment like their their uh, you know mother is ill or something, we make a point to send it out. And that when we started implementing that, I cannot believe the almost instant. Uh, change that made to our conversion rate in the way that people saw us and the way that people reacted to us. And that became part of our brand. Um, And Mm. it's been interesting. Mark and I aren't there as much. Our our employees still send out the the notes and and we still do from time to time or if we hear uh, some news about a floater or something. Um, But uh, yeah, it's it's something that still continues, and yeah, it might be a little different because Mark and I, you know, nobody nobody runs your business like you do. Right. You know what of I'm course. saying? Of course. Um, <laughs> when you own the business, there's just something you just put a little extra something in there because it's yours, and it's you know there, you have that connection. Um, mm-hmm. Our employees doing a fantastic job, but I I feel like maybe some of that uh, luster is gone just a little bit maybe that's just because i'm not involved with it and i'm a micromanager oh, I, I try not to be but right, i know right. i have issues um <laughs> so yeah so so that's good and you know the other interesting thing that she brought up was that when she went into portland the she found it was a little bit more difficult mm-hmm. she had to market differently mm-hmm. and i think that's so important for float centers because i know we talk a lot on on the facebook group float collective and i know we talk a lot in between uh, to each other even offline uh and you know what i often say is you know what works for me is not necessarily going to work for someone else mm-hmm. um our target markets are different the feel of our communities are different and um, it was interesting. She she learned that lesson. I wish we could have found out more about what she did differently, how she marketed to Portland differently mm-hmm. than she did in Seattle mm-hmm. to get over that hump and get over. Because obviously she's gotten over that hump. Because, <laughs> right. Totally. Yeah. She's full and, and it's, it's doing fantastic. Yeah. Um, but it is a good reminder that. When you take marketing advice from someone in another float center in another city, yes. um, just remember to measure and <laughs> um, and tweak it as needed. Yeah, that, uh, because all of our wow. markets are different. That's invaluable advice right there. <laughs> that is invaluable. <laughs> like everybody's demographic is different. Our marketing would work totally different in Nashville. Mm-hmm. It would work yeah. totally different in Red Deer and vice versa all over. It's completely different. And yeah, if anybody tells you this is the the golden bullet. Think twice. It, it <laughs> if it's too work. good to be true, hey, guess what? <laughs> it's probably not. I'm always, true. yeah, I'm always aware when somebody uses the word. This is the blueprint to get you this specific thing. I'm like, okay, yeah. that always makes me kind of curl up in the fetal position a little bit. But, uh, but yeah, so so <laughs> she definitely brought some good lessons to the table tonight. Cool. Yeah, yeah, that that was fun to have her on both yeah. <laughs> both, both of them. Before we, before we sign off, I do want to give a shout out to Float Away. Uh, float Away started in 1999 with their float, t- uh, excuse me, with their Float Away Tranquility float tank, and they've only been innovating since then. Of course, uh, they've got the float around, the float cabin. They can float two people in their float tanks, single individual cabins. The float around is beautiful, used at Liber, and they're in uh, over 49 countries at this point. It's truly beautiful high-end float tanks. 
with everything built into the tank as well. It's not like there's a pump system that's off to the side. It's got a really small footprint, uh, the Tranquility in particular, really small footprint that also has everything that you need built inside of the cabin. It's, it's quite impressive, but it doesn't take the space of inside the float tank. I mean, that footprint, um, it's all tucked away in the, in the guts of that thing and the outer edges. It's really brilliant design. Floataway.com is where you want to go to check them out. I want to thank Amy and Lance for being on the show tonight and being so open and sharing everything at the top of the show. And until next time, remember, there's an infinite amount to find in the presence of nothing. So spend some time there. We'll see you next week.